not finished races well in the past. They're going to do it today. Here they come another time. Welcome to F1Weekly.com. My name is Mark Rogers. I'm the host of the program. F1Weekly.com podcast. I'm going to do tire changes maybe next year. I think we can do it. Hi, this is Desiree. I'm your fabulous, fierce female Formula One fan. Welcome to F1Weekly.com's weekly podcast. My name is Clark, I'm your host. My co-host's name is Steve Falb, and we're produced by David Tapia. F1Weekly.com will be bringing you the latest news, rumors, bulletins, sexual innuendo, anything related to F1, we're going to cover it, we're going to discuss it, we're going to talk about it, we're going to touch it, we're going to feel it. I want to welcome everybody. Also, I want to remind you guys, check out the website, f1weekly.com. In the next few weeks, it's going to be improved, and you'll find it very stimulating. I've been losing some sleep, Steve. Again? Yeah. This V8 thing, it's really got me. I'm worried. Pedro de la Rosa says it sucks. It reminds him of a GP2 car. GP2, GP2. Welcome to F1Weekly.com. My name is Clark Rogers. I'm the host of the program. I'll be joined by Nasser Hamid, my co-host. This is podcast number 964, November 7th, 2022, Nasser. Thank you, sir. Question of the day is... Will it be another winning Samba for Max on Sunday? Or will we see a tango for two between Toto and you-know-who? And Jimmy will take over with Crosstown traffic. We shall explain gladly. Now back to Mr. Rogers, the Paris Prado of podcasting. Thank you, Nasser. On today's program, F1Weekly.com podcast is 17 years old this month. We were one of the first in the podcast revolution back in 2005, and we'll have snippets of vintage intro for this week's podcast. Vegas, who knows, will cost $500 million, and that's just for the panic. Be careful for what you wish for. And LCH is now... Official, El Brasiliano. And just a reminder, we need your contributions. Keep this program up there in the sky. So please, click on the Support F1 Weekly tab, and we will be talking about the latest calendar that's awesome, that's going to help F1 Weekly stay relevant. Thank you. Nas, welcome to the studio. How are you? I am doing very good, sir, and congratulations on 17 years. I do miss uh, Desiree and Steve Fobb and the executive producer, and most of all, we miss those Yahoo ads. But life goes on. Sun is coming up every day. How are things for the uh, El Jefe in California, Senor Rogers? Well, 17 years, Nasser, thinking back to the old days. The beginning where we were just children 
And of course, I miss Steve and Desiree should be out on parole this year. So that's good for her. Yep. David Tapia, the producer, now is just a lean, mean, running machine like a hybrid V6 from hell. So no, it's exciting. 17 years is a long time. I don't know. It's sort of strange. A lot of people don't do a podcast for 17 years, but I'm sure somebody will come up with something. Yeah, I was thinking the other day about uh, meeting you for the first time at our favorite Flames on Saratoga Avenue. And we were young, Mr. Rogers, that's for sure. But thanks to our listeners, you know, we still care, still rolling here. And I'm really, really looking forward to the edition number 1000. And, you know, on a separate issue, I uh, recently exchanged emails with Mr. Peter Windsor. So hopefully we can get him and with the help of Mr. Brazier, also drag in Adrian Newey to Mr. Brazier's restaurant and do our podcast 1000 from there. How cool and wonderful that would be, sir. And it's coming soon. It will be exciting. I'm trying to get Pedro to show up or at least text us. Yes. And you know, it's going to, you told me it's going to be happening sometime in July. And that's when the British Grand Prix will be taking place. So we may luck out and get some very heavy duty interviews for our special podcast, you know. Maybe we'll do a two hour podcast, you know, segment one, segment two or whatever. But I'm really, really looking forward to it. If, if I can make that milestone in my very old age now, I will be very proud. We will hug and have a special meeting of the minds on 1000. Yes, and, and ask for some serious sponsorship from Kleenex because we will need a lot of those. And Geritol. There you go. Okay, sir, speaking of Brazil, I am looking forward to the Grande Premio do Brasil. Well, in the daily grind of life, they say another day, another buck, plus tax. In the life of Grand Prix grind, they say another race and another win. In last year's Brazilian Grand Prix, LCH gave Max a taste of his own medicine. That move, with both going outside the lines, was one for the ages. And you know, when you have a dynamic duel like that, like Dijon Prenois, credit goes to both drivers. But this season, Max has the right tonic, highly effective NyQuil from the minds of Newey and Honda that has put the competition to sleep by the end of the opening lap. And if slippery when wet, dose has been administered on the first corner of the opening lap. Which brings me to say, Mr. Charles Leclerc, the doctor will see you next. And Mr. Nicholas Latifi, I am sorry the doctor has no cure for you. But Daddy's billions will bring you comfortable sleep at Holiday Inn. Or if you insist, Ritz Carlton. The thin air of Mexico gave the Mercedes team a thick chance of success, but it still did not work out. And I've been thinking, going against such a formidable opponent as Max, why did they not split the tire strategy at Mercedes? I think at Interlagos, they will again be lagging behind the Max factor. You may ask yourself, what about competition from Max's teammate? Well, even with 14 wins and championship wrapped up, I don't think Max 
is has any interest in leaving the orange army to join the Sal salvation army and donate a win to sergio that's not in max's dna his dna is destroy and dominate what say you boudreaux he likes Perez and everything. There's love, but not that kind of love. I mean, that's way beyond his capabilities. He's going to dominate all across the F1 season and will continue and probably win the rest of the races. Unless there's a DNF. I mean, they do have technical issues that just sort of rear their ugly head. And this is where Lewis can dominate. If he sees any kind of issue, he's going to maximize. So it's going to be interesting. And Toto, poor Toto. I'm more worried about Toto than Lewis. Lewis is out and about opening film industries. He's now with the Broncos in Colorado. And now he's with a golfer. It's not Arnold Palmer, but it's close. I mean, he is spread out. I mean, every day I turn on the TV, there's Lewis Hamilton with the president of Brazil taking his diploma and his official passporto. I'm telling you, it's funny because we got a new world champion, we got a constructors world champion, and we're only talking about Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> I mean, this guy, he's like the Jackie Gleason of the 50s. Okay, moving forward, Scuderia Ferrari, what can I say? Somehow something will come in the way and the red cars will finish behind the Red Bull. If Max wins the Grand Prix on Sunday, then we are definitely looking at Sweet 16 in Abu Dhabi. Lord have mercy on the competition in the remaining two races. And you mentioned DNF, and I agree with you totally, Mr. Rogers. What we need on Sunday morning is 19 drivers going to the DNF chapel and praying to be on the top step of the podium. And if the prayer is answered for any one of them, their salvation will come in the form of a done blowed up on the Honda or Pirelli. You remember the Pirelli uh, fiasco in Azerbaijan with Max where he kicked the tire? One of my favorites. Yes, it's a famous picture and they show it on F1 TV all the time. Only that will stop uh, Maximilian in his tracks. Um, do you know anything about the weather in Brazil on for the weekend, sir? You know, some of us have a busy life, and I have not checked, and I usually do that, but I have forgotten because I was busy with the 17-year anniversary of F1 Weekly, making sure the F1 Weekly staff get their bottle of wine and all the gifts that a host must provide. It's brutal back here at the Palatial Studios while you're wandering aimlessly in the Florida wind. Well, that's the story of my life. Wandering aimlessly. And as long as I can find Formula One every two weeks or every weekend, I is a happy camper. And that's all that matters. Uh, what are you expecting? I mean, obviously, if Alonso does not win, Max will win. Who do you think is the third driver who can win the race? Well, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, Mercedes did very well at high altitudes. Hence him hoping for a Denver Grand Prix one day with his connections now with the Broncos. That's just a commentary on my part. I think LCH is still trying to get this win. And now Toto came out this week and saying, oh, the win would be better. So much better than second and beating Ferrari. I'd much have the win for my best friend. I love him. Well, he's right. You know, name of the game is winning. And it's two more races. And let's see if uh, Lewis can get one. 
But we shall see. Okay, sir, moving on, we'd like to do a shout-out to F1 Weekly familiar member in Sweden, Senor Stefan Alstorp. As some of us will know, uh, he publishes F1 newsletter, which has links to major headlines from various websites in one page. So a simple click will take you there, whatever story you want to pick and choose from his newsletter. And I'm pleased to say I'm his subscriber number 10 and the list is growing. So please check it out. The website is formula1newsletter.com. And Mr. Rogers, I believe you are also a subscriber, right? You're absolutely correct, but I'm not a number. I'm a free man. Oh, you're the VIP. This is getting a lot of press. And then we, I think we, the peeps of motor racing fans, we, we deserve an answer. Signed, sealed, and soon to be delivered. Like McLaren, Haas F1 may have the same playbook. One German out, one German in. Rumors are almost reality that Mick Schumacher will get a knock on his palatial residence in Switzerland or Spain from the Western Union man with the message most of us have heard once or twice in a lifetime. Your services are no longer required. His compadre, Nico Hulkenberg, is expected to be announced as teammate to Ballsy K. Mack for the 2023 season, and this may announcement may come by the time this podcast is published. Nico, despite being a decade in Formula One racing, did not enjoy all tomorrow's parties as he was unable to step on the podium. His junior career was very impressive, and we interviewed him in his Formula Three days. Like Lewis Hamilton, like Charles Leclerc, like George Russell, he destroyed the competition on his way to the Garden of Formula One. Once he got there, there were only paper roses for him. If he can overpower K-Mag, maybe he will get a new life at some decent team in 2024. First question for you, Mr. Rogers. Do you think it's a good idea to hire Nico Hulkenberg? Second, how do you think he will do uh, against his teammate, Kevin Magnuson. Well, K-Mag's pretty relaxed now in that team. It's going to be tough. But on the other hand, Hulkenberg is just such a likable guy. He's pretty good when you put him up in a car in very short notice, and we've seen him do it a number of times. I mean, he didn't have the success DeFries did, or maybe he did. But I want to see Nico get one more shot at it, damn it. I think he will do very well, but I also suspect that, uh, you know, when he came through the system, he came through the same time as Romain Grosjean, who also has a very stellar junior Formula career, and they hated each other. I think, do you remember how uh, the situation was between Ocon and Perez at Force India? I think it's going to create that a big headache for uh, Gunther Steiner, and I'm happy they have a big sponsorship package from uh, MoneyGram, but they might get a sponsorship package from Tylenol or Advil. Gunter will need that. But let's see what happens. If Michael Michael's son goes out, you think he will come back? Never. I am very, very surprised that with that name and all the money behind him, with all the hoopla that Formula One is trying to reach, especially with the ex-Ferrari men at the top now, Stefano Domenicali, that... We won't have a Schumacher name likely in Formula One. Okay, sir, Ricciardo on the road. 
He is looking to park his career for a season. He has high hopes for 2024. For 2023, he may land a test driver role at Mercedes or go back to the house of pain, Red Bull. What's the you, senor? I don't know. Coming back is always tough. Very few people have done it, except for a couple of machismos that I know. It's tough, but I would take a reserve role. He travels with the team, with those two teams, not all teams. And if he can go back to Red Bull, it sure wouldn't hurt. Man, if he can get back with Marco, all of a sudden, Max is sick. Boom. Ricciardo all over the place. We'll see what happens, but it's very interesting, but it's still brutal. You know, if he gets a drive again at full-time ride with Red Bull as teammate to Max, based on how he raced against Max, he's one of the very few guys who can stick it to Max once in a while. And as you have seen, as super uber talented Max is, and super uber supersonic fast he is, he gets flustered very, very easily. Okay, and it's pretty obvious. So I think Ricciardo, if he still has that speed that he had when he had that clash with him at Azerbaijan, he will win races, that's for sure. Maybe with some luck, and and he's, he's a smart guy. He looks at the big picture. He can become world champion. It will be much easier for him to win a championship at Red Bull with Max as teammate than Sergio Perez or most of the other drivers on the circuit. But we have to have the guy get the opportunity to see how he can perform in the community. Okay, sir, Moving. speaking of Red Bull, moving on to Red Bull's succession plan. Dietrich Mateschitz put together a solid succession plan for his energy empire, including the Formula One operation. Previously, he was calling the shots. Now, a three-member CEO board will be at the front of the corporate grid. The players are a gentleman by the name of Franz Watzlawick. He will be the CEO. Gentleman by the name of Alexander Kirchmeier. is the CFO. And Oliver Minslav, who is currently CEO of Red Bull Leipzig football team, will head Red Bull's corporate projects and investment department. And Mr. Marischitz, uh, 49% of Red Bull will go to his son Mark. So I'm very happy that this is not ending up in a bitter family fight or the Thai partners and the Austrian partners. We have a game plan here. They're going to stick with the motor racing plan. So I'm very happy. Something may happen with uh, Alpha Tori down the road, but, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Any thoughts on the Red Bull situation, sir? Fascinating. As you said, it's very organized. I mean, they are Austrians. I, I expected nothing less. I knew there would be a system, a will, and his son Mark is, well, he's going to be just fine. A little bit. You'll have to buy maybe Red Bull and you can get a side of Cristal. Yeah, I mean, look at the good point. He does not have to go to the Volkswagen Vienna dealership and fill out a job application. So good for him. Okay, yeah. sir, I'm sure you heard the news that ex-Ferrari engineer and team manager Mauro Forgheri passed away. I indeed did hear the news. It's been pretty big stuff. Yes, he was um, 87 years old. You know, his father also worked at Ferrari. And when he was 26 years old, Mauro Forgheri got a call from Enzo saying, and I quote, From this moment on, you are responsible for all the motorsport activity and testing, end quote. And Enzo hired Luca Montezemolo at a very young age also. 
Now this happened because chief engineer Carlo Kitty, who was quite a character, uh, he designed the beautiful shark nose Ferrari 156, walked out with their world champion driver Phil Hill to start their own team, ATS. Mauro Forgieri went on to design cars and engines that took Niki Lauda and Jody Schechter to championship success. He also designed their sports cars, which were also very successful. He was the one who designed the Lamborghini Formula One engine that Senna tested in a McLaren, and John Dennis thought Peugeot was a better deal. What is so amazing, here is a gentleman who designed world championship winning cars and engines, and some years ago when he was asked what his proudest moment in racing was, he replied, the day Senna tested the Lamborghini engine and said to him, this is a good engine, it needs some development. And Mr. Rogers, let me share my personal encounter with Mr. Forgieri. I think I told you the story when we first met. In 1976, when I was living in Karachi, I wrote him a letter saying that I'm a huge fan of Scuderia Ferrari, which was true, and it's still true, and even bigger fan of Parco Monza, and one day I will come to the Italian Grand Prix. I could not believe few weeks later I got a letter from him in Italian with a copy of an Italian racing magazine. I stayed in touch with him and in 1982 I wrote to him, I'm on my way for the Gran Premio in September. At the track I met him and he told me come to the factory on Wednesday and I will show you around. So there I was Mr. Rogers, 23 years old and three days after the Italian Grand Prix, which was won by René Arnoux in a Renault, I was at the factory in Maranello when Mr. Forgieri took me into a room which was sort of a technical area. Guess who was standing there? Rene Arnoux as he was planning to join Ferrari for 1983. I'm not sure if it was already announced but I was very surprised to see him there. Mr. Forgieri took a picture of me with Arnoux and there was a third man there whom I did not meet which I regret very much now and he was none other than Dr. Harvey Postlewhite. Many years later, I met Mr. Forgieri again at the U.S. Grand Prix in Phoenix, 1991. What a great life and great achievement he had on the racing tracks around the world. Our sincere sympathies and condolences for family and his fans and friends around the world. Rest in peace, champion. Any thoughts, Mr. Roger, on Mr. Forgieri? Wow. Well, after that story, Nasser, there's just no way I could top it. I'm just so glad that you wrote those letters. What a moving story, Nasser. I think one day you'll have your own reality show. <laughs> I think if we do, we're doing it right now. This is as F1 Weekly is as real as we can get. Bravo. Sir, it's time for some uh, aqua minerale. That's very true. I think we're talking about San Pellegrino. So we'll be back after these brief messages. Chianti. Sometimes I almost wish Italian Swiss Colony hadn't brought out these two new California table wines. They're tearing my kitchen apart. I say Italian Swiss Colony Chianti is lighter. And I say the Rheinskeller is lighter. Ah, but new Italian Swiss Colony Chianti is so light. You can enjoy it glass after glass, even with your heavy Wiener Schnitzel. But new Rheinskeller is so wonderful light. It makes taste good, even your chicken cacciatore. I still say Italian Swiss Colony Chianti is lighter. And I say Rheinskeller. Chianti. Rheinskeller. What I say is, let the customer decide which new Italian Swiss Colony wine you prefer. Red Chianti 
Light in the Italian style? Or White Rheinskeller? Light in the German style? After all, you're the one who's always right. Welcome back to F1Weekly.com. Clark Rogers here, your host. And now, as we spin the globe and go around the world with Motorsports Mondial and the king, the sultan himself, Nasser Hamid. Thank you, sir, and we shall start with season finale in Valencia. Big day for Italia, championship for Benyaya, as Suzuki says, sayonara. Ducati and Francesco, who is known as Pecco Benyaya, have proven how spaghetti culture can cook a winning recipe. What they have done is very, very impressive, simply incredible. Pecco at one time was 91 points and I repeat, 91 points behind Fabio Quattararo. And over 170,000 spectators showed up for the season finale in Valencia. Viva España. Ninth place finish got the big prize. The first Italian, and I check this out, what this achievement means, Mr. Rogers. The first Italian to win the Premier League since Valentino Rossi in 2009. So that's great. The first Ducati rider to win the championship since Casey Stoner in 2007. And the first Italian to clinch the title on an Italian bike since Giacomo Agostini in 1972 with MV Agusta. Now that's a name, Giacomo Agostini, that was top of the pops when I started my interest in motorsports. The race was won by local rider Alex Frins, and he was crying, according to him. What a way for Suzuki to depart from MotoGP. Brad Binder from South Africa was second for Austrian manufacturer KTM, and podium was completed by another Spanish rider, Jorge Martin, on a Ducati. Your fellow Francais Fabio Quattararo had to win the race to retain his uh, title, but he could only manage fourth on his Yamaha. And finally, which has become unfortunately very common this year, Mark Marquez crashed out, so that was very, very disappointing. But a great race. More GP races are always very good, and I enjoyed it immensely. On this side of the pond, another championship was decided in the Le Nascar series. Joey Logano took his second championship in style by winning the race in Phoenix, Arizona, driving for Mr. Roger Penske. And Mr. Penske's driver also won the IndyCar championship. So that's good for him. And Mr. Rogers, as one season after another is coming to an end, now is the time to enjoy the 2023 season with the 2023 Motorsports Memories calendar. I am very pleased to say the 2023 calendar is now available for shipment. You know, it's printed in Southern California and FedEx Ground delivered it today. So I is happy. The theme is Crosstown Traffic, featuring street tracks from around the world. We have the usual suspects, Long Beach, California, which shows the yellow Renault of René Arnaud. His one-time teammate and fellow Francais Alain Prost is featured from the Adelaide race in a very nice scenic shot. Motown, also known as Detroit, is represented by Big Mouth Nelson Piquet 
in his beautiful Parmalat Brabham BMW. And speaking of big mouth, have you heard about Nelson Piquet again getting in trouble in Brazil? You mean besides the racist remarks? No, this is more serious now. This is about the guy who got, uh, Lula, who got re-elected to uh, presidency. Beautiful. Yeah, he made some comments that he belongs in the cemetery, which is not very nice of Nelson Piquet. But, you know, Piquet is Piquet. What do you expect? Okay, there were two street races in your uh, home country, Francia, and both are featured in this calendar. We have Giancarlo Baghetti winning his first and only Grand Prix in his first World Championship race at Reims. Jackie X is splashing his way in his beautiful red Ferrari to his maiden victory at Rouen. And you've been to Rouen, senor, right? Correct. Jackie Stewart is shown in Montjuic Park, Barcelona. And Mr. Rogers, no street racing story can be complete without including the magnificent one-it wonder that was the incredible 1984 Dallas Grand Prix. There is a nice story in the caption about Ayrton Senna and Pat Simmons. As always, all the photographs have historic information, which I hope F1 Weekly Familia will enjoy. And my thanks to those who have already ordered a copy or two. So that I appreciate very much. And Mr. Rogers, there are many other photographs. And you know, here at F1 Weekly, we have our opinion, we have our likes, uh, and we have our own agenda, which is all motorsports. But we do respect people who contribute so much to motor racing. So on the back page, there is a very nice picture of Sebastian Vettel, uh, which is our goodbye to him and all the joy he brought to us. So hopefully people will buy this and enjoy this as much as I enjoy making it happen. And your copy will be flying your way very soon, Mr. Rogers. Pleased to tell you that. Thank you, Nasser. I do appreciate that. I have seen some of the photographs. Once again, this is an outstanding program. And to have, a, to have the calendar, which is composed of fantastic photography for under $20, is a steal. So that's my tip of the week. Invest in the calendar. You're not just purchasing. You're investing. Thank you. And I believe Toby has put a link on the F1 Weekly page, right? That is correct. Not only that, when we publish this podcast, everybody gets an email. That email would have all of the information for you to simply click and all you do is just sit out front and here comes your calendar via a drone through amazon there you go okay sir now we come to famous last words and today they come from kevin magnuson this is what he said and it's interesting i quote our pitch stops are not slow because our mechanics are bad ours equipment is just old Ours is from 2016. It's 2022 now. That's 100,000 years in Formula One. End quote. So do you think with MoneyGram paying them a lot of money? Um, I heard, I don't know if it's true that they are paying them over $20 million a year, but uh, it will give tremendous publicity to MoneyGram. And their logo was already on the card in the last race. Uh, so interesting. Any, any comment on the comment by Mr. Magnuson? Well, yes, of course, he'll be doing the advertisement for the uh, MoneyGram people. And, of course, his Nico Hulkenberg knows the advertisement better than anybody because if it's not on time, 
my balls. Oh, thank you so much, Mr. Roger. Gracias. Okay, sir, now we come to a musical mondial. We started with Paris Prado, and we bring him back to the palatial studios. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy Cherry Ping and Apple Blossom White. Good night. Bye-bye.